your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Just win. You're a win as a Raider. Pillaging just for fun. He'll knock you round and upside down and laugh when he's conquered and won. What's up, Raider Nation? Welcome into Thursday's edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast, October 14th, 2021. Your boy Q here, as always, and we're getting closer to the end of the week. We're getting closer to a game day. Raiders play the Broncos in Denver on Sunday. So, of course, today is crossover Thursday, so we'll get a good breakdown of the Denver Broncos. We'll get a good breakdown of the Raiders, what to expect in this game on Sunday. Very excited about crossover edition, crossover Thursday. Cody Rourke, host of Locked On Broncos, will join us on today's show. Before I get into it, I'd like to thank everyone for making the Locked On Raiders podcast your first listen each and every day. Remember, you can find Locked On Raiders podcast free and available on every platform that you find your podcast on. Again, thank you very much for the consistent support of the Locked On Raiders podcast. And as I mentioned, it is Crossover Thursday. So coming up in segment number two and segment number three, you're going to hear a complete breakdown of the game. And myself and Cody, we always have a good time when we talk. So in segment number two, you're going to hear him get his Howard Cosell on with me asking me about the Raiders and, of course, uh, the week that has been for the Raiders, everything toxic has been going on, but a lot about the game. You know, he'll ask me a couple questions about uh, what's been going on off the field, but more about just the game and the Raiders itself. So uh, you'll hear that part in segment number two segment number three I get to get my Howard Cosell on with him and talk all things Denver Broncos both teams coming to the game three and two on the season both sitting in second place in the AFC West right behind the Chargers who are there at four and one this is a big game for both teams big game in the AFC West in general as the division is very very tight so you'll hear that complete breakdown coming up in segments number two and three here in segment number one news and notes of the day and it's a very busy segment number one so let's go ahead and jump right into it off top, the Raiders made a roster move, or a couple roster moves to be exact, on Wednesday. Uh, they put out a statement, an email saying, we've released quarterback Kyle Slaughter and defensive back Robert Jackson from the practice squad, and we signed tackle Dan Skipper and defensive back Tony Brown to the practice squad, and then they designated quarterback Marcus Mariota for return. So he's getting healthier. He could see some action as soon as Sunday against the Denver Broncos. And, hey, with all the situations going on with the Raiders, they probably need as many weapons as possible on the field against Denver. So uh, that's the roster moves right there they made the practice squad that is protected for week six is defensive back haha clinton Dix, linebacker markel lee linebacker patrick owasu and then defensive tackle kendall vickers those are the four players that have been protected on the practice squad by the raiders in week six also, the Raiders released their injury report for Wednesday. I'll just go through who they had listed and guys that didn't participate, guys that were limited, and guys that were full. The guys that did not participate, defensive tackle Jonathan Hankins dealing with the hip injury. Uh, also, Carl Nassib, defensive end. He has rib injury, but also he took a personal day. He didn't participate, and when I say he took a personal day, he's dealing with the trauma, with all the, the aftermath of what happened with Coach Gruden and the homophobic comments that came out of those emails, and he's obviously the only gay player in the league openly gay player in the league I should say and so I'm sure he's got a lot swimming through his head so Carl Nassib took a personal day for himself uh, defensive end unique in Gakway uh, he rested and has a knee injury but he didn't participate tight end Darren Waller he's resting and has a knee injury he didn't participate either so Hankins Nassib and Gakway and Waller did not participate at all guys that were limited cornerback Brandon Faison dealing with a hip injury you know he just got to the team right after that Chargers game they signed him off the Chargers practice squad and he's already limited with a 
hip injury, so there's that. Uh, defensive tackle Quentin Jefferson dealing with a back injury. He was limited. Safety Dallin Levitt dealing with a knee injury. He was limited. Linebacker Corey Littleton dealing with a shoulder injury. He was limited as well with safety Roderick Teamer, who's dealing with an ankle injury also limited. Uh, the guys that participated fully, Jonathan Abram, shoulder, Peyton Barber, toe, uh, Casey Hayward, knee, Nate Hobbs, shoulder, Alec Ingles, shoulder, Colton Miller, pectoral, Brandon Parker, ribs, Denzel Perryman, toe. Lots of guys on the injury report right there, but a lot of guys that participated fully, even though they are banged up. So that's the Raiders part of the injury report. Uh, I'll give you the Broncos tomorrow because uh, they'll still get the Thursday report. We'll get the Friday report, and then Sunday we'll get the game status. But as far as the Raiders go, that was the Wednesday injury report. Just got a couple more nuggets that I have for segment number one of today's Locked On Raiders podcast news and notes of the day. Paul Gutierrez of ESPN.com. He caught up with Raiders owner Mark Davis on uh, on Wednesday at the facility before any of the media sessions began. And his tweet said, just spoke with Raiders owner Mark Davis. Quote, I have no comment. Ask the NFL. They have all the answers. And then he also said, I confirmed that Mike Mayock remains GM and now has 51% control of roster decisions with interim coach Rich Bisaccia at 49%. Uh, it was Gruden with 51% and Mayock 49% before. That's again from Paul Gutierrez. And you could tell Mark Davis uh, still pretty angry, still pretty hurt, still has not spoke to the media, and he did not on Wednesday either. I think that that was a mistake. But he's his own man. He's going to do what he feels is right for himself. He's going to do what he feels right is for the organization and what he feels is right for the fan base. But uh, I do think he should have spoke, and I think it would have been not a courtesy to me, not a courtesy to the team, but courtesy to Raider Nation. And with that being said, there was a lot of guys that did meet with the media on uh, on Wednesday, even though I went into Wednesday thinking it was only going to be Rich Bisaccia at 110. Well, lo and behold, Mike Mayock spoke, Rich Bisaccia spoke, Derek Carr spoke, Darren Waller spoke, and also Max Crosby. All those guys were late additions. I'm telling you, they were late additions, and Mayock started at 1130, so I could have made that one, but the schedule just got all kind of screwed up, and uh, yeah, I didn't make any of them, but there was a lot of good stuff to unpack. If you go back and listen on Raiders YouTube, you can listen to all of it. It was a ton of good stuff. Obviously, I can't bring it all to you here in this segment because it'll go way too long, but I do plan on bringing you one soundbite from each of the people that participated. So let's go ahead and start off with Mike Mayock. Here's his opening statement to the media on Wednesday. Uh, I'm going to make a brief statement, and then I'm going to open it up for some questions, okay? So a lot going on in this building and this franchise for the last several days. And, you know, the way I grew up, the Raiders always stood for diversity. They had the first Latino quarterback, Tom Flores. He also became the second Latino head coach. The first African-American head coach was Art Shell. The first female CEO was Amy Trask. Obviously, all of that was under Al Davis's watch. Now, this week, his son, Mark Davis, I think had a tough time. He had a tough week. He had to gather facts. He had to do his due diligence. And since the day I took this job almost three years ago, what Mr. Davis has preached has been three things. It's been diversity, social justice, and domestic violence. So when we go into drafts, if there's a guy with any a history, with any, any of those type of things, I'm in Mr. Davis's office trying to show him what's going on whether or not we've done our due diligence on that guy and whether that not that person should be in this building. He's been consistent with his messaging. And in regards to the John Gruden situation, we all respect his decisions, and we're going to move ahead accordingly. As far as the team is concerned, bottom line, we're three and two. It's week six. 
You know, a lot of these interim head coach deals over the years, it's like week 15 and guys are already packing their bags. That's not the case here. All of our goals are ahead of us. Three and two, one game out of the AFC lead. The focus has got to be on Denver. Rich Basaccia, interim head coach. Look, I've known this guy for a lot of years, and I hope you get to meet him a little bit and see what a special person he is. Since he's a special teams coach, he's involved with more players on the team than any other coach in our building. He's involved with the offensive guys. He's involved with the defensive guys. Um, the irony is I've endorsed him for a lot of head coaching jobs over the years, both in college and the NFL, back when I had a different job. He's got as much respect in the locker room, in our locker room, as any coach I've ever seen in my life. And the reason he does is, is he a great coach? Hell yeah. But he's an even better man. And what I've always told people when I endorse them is that he's the most natural leader of men that I have ever been around. Last note, uh, Carl Nassib. He and I spoke yesterday a couple of times, spoke again today. We're going to meet later this afternoon. He requested a personal day today. He just said he's got a lot to process. There's a lot that's been going on the last few days. And, of course, we support that request. So having said all that kind of stuff, guys, um, I'm going to open it up to questions. Uh, I'm not going to get into a whole lot of John Gruden stuff. Um, I'm going to follow the lead of our owner. But fire away. So there was Mike Mayock with his brief opening statement. I say that in air quotes because it wasn't anything brief about that, but as a radio guy, I love those kind of brief answers that go as long as that one does. And Mike Mayock does a good job of breaking everything down. You heard right there, he had a lot of respect for Rich Basaccia. The players in the locker room have a lot of respect for Rich Basaccia, and he explained why Rich Basaccia was the interim head coach or named the interim head coach, as many people asked me what my thoughts were on that. And so uh, it's full speed ahead, you know, and uh, Mike Mayock's going to continue to do what he does. And again, I think that that opening statement should have came from the owner. But again, that's just me. So how about the interim head coach, Rich Basaccia? Here's his opening statement as he met with the media on Wednesday for the first time. Good afternoon. Uh, my name is Rich Basaccia. And um, before we get started, um, I'd like to read something to you uh, that I prepared uh, with help from people I care about uh, and that care about me. And then um, we'll go from there. Um, before we talk about our team or our game at Denver, I feel it's important to acknowledge the significance of this moment. Coach Gruden gave me a chance to coach in the National Football League. I'll always be appreciative of that. That being said, we all have a responsibility here and have to be held to be accountable to our words and our actions. No one person is bigger than the Raiders' shield. The Raiders have always stood for diversity, inclusion, social justice. It's important to live those ideals and carry them into the future. We cannot change the past, but we can do more to maybe make tomorrow better. Um, that's kind of where I'm at. I can um, answer some questions for you and uh, go from there. 
So there's interim head coach Rich Basaccia with the opening statement that he had prepared right there. And you can hear the emotion in his voice. You know, he's been a guy that's been rocking with John Gruden for a very long time, gave him the opportunity to be a coach in the NFL. So you could tell how, yeah, he's excited about being the interim head coach. It's something that apparently after doing plenty of research, he actually really did and has wanted to be a head coach for a long time. He's getting that opportunity, obviously not the way that he wanted to get it, but this is what it is. So that was Rich Basaccia. How about the leader on the field? How about Derek Carr? Well, here was his first response that he had just talking about the guys that are in the locker room. What's their temperature? What's the mood like in the locker room with them? I can't speak for everybody. I'm not in everybody's shoes. Um, a lot of emotions, obviously. Um, didn't see all of this coming. I don't think any of us did. It just caught us, caught us all by surprise, you know. Um, uh, but uh, there will be a day for those feelings. There will be a day and a time uh, to talk about all that, you know, and I'll get into some of it if you have more questions. But uh, from an emotional standpoint, I got a job to do. And uh, that's never changed, no matter who the coach is, no matter who's on the team with me. Um, I have a job to do, and that's to lead these men, especially now. They need a leader more than ever. And uh, my job is to lead them with my actions like I always have um, and my voice, just trying to be a strong voice for people to – continually bring people together and continually push people in the right direction. And um, we're three and two. Um, you know, we have everything out in front of us that we've wanted from the beginning. Um, it's not going to be with the same room of people, um, which is hard. But at the same time, nobody cares, you know, and you know how that goes. Uh, you know, I think that for me, uh, just the message today was I, I just tried to Push everything off. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sick about it. Uh, have a lot of emotions. Angry, sick, you know, upset, mad, frustrated, all, all those things. Empathy, you know, whatever. You know, all, no one has a – I don't think there's a book on how to handle all this, you know. Um, or uh, – actually, there is. But I don't think – I don't think that there's a, a way for a quarterback to stand up here and answer these type of questions is what I should say. Um, but – for me, my message today was we have a job to do. So uh, it's Wednesday. If we're still in our feelings, it's too late. We got to move on. So there's quarterback Derek Carr right there, just kind of letting you know about the emotions and let you know about the feelings. Also letting you know they got a job to do, you know, and, and that uh, the things that were said were, were bad and wrong and uh, it took a lot of the guys by, by shock. But if you're in your feelings, then it's too late. You know, you got to move on because they do have a job to do. So I found that to be uh, pretty interesting. Now, how about Darren Waller? And the thing about it, something that's kind of been getting lost in the shuffle is the fact that all this started with the racial comments about Demora Smith, about his lips. And it's crazy that everything really hit the fan. The blank hit the fan when it started being about, you know, the homophobic slurs and when it started talking about women referees and started talking about Roger Goodell in a homophobic way and, you know, stuff like that. That's when it really hit the fan. So Darren Waller was asked about the initial comments about it being, you know, race related and how he felt about that, and uh, now where they're at right now with this whole situation. Um, yeah, with the with the first email, uh, I mean, there was a, a hint of racial lining in it. You know, you look back at uh, all the old art from kind of back in the day, and those those symbols. It's like, yeah, it's there, and uh, I mean, it's disappointing. But I'm somebody that comes from the space of I want to offer somebody grace and allow them to, you know, learn from what they may have done. And that's, uh, you know, that's what I'm trying to do right now uh, for Coach because I know a lot of people wanna, may want to cancel him, but, you know, that, and I understand that what he said was, you know, 
inexcusable. But at the same time, like, where do we offer grace for him to learn and grow and then be able to be in the circle that he was with that, with those people that he was emailing with and be able to say, you know, that's not right and be able to say from his experience, like, I had to learn, so now I can help these people. So that's those are some of the things that are going through my mind. So there's Darren Waller, a very wise Darren Waller right there. And I'll say this, if you get an opportunity, seriously, and you have not heard these press conferences, I listened to the whole thing in full of all these guys, Carr, Waller, and Max Crosby. You need to do yourself a favor and go listen to them because these guys, yeah, they're talking about football, but they're so wise and you could tell that they're so mature and they come from a really good place that you kind of get lost in a shuffle where you don't even think about football you just think about the compassion of these guys and and where they're really coming from and maybe makes you kind of reassess the situation and reassess the stance that you're taking on this situation depending on how it shakes out just by hearing how these players are feeling in this situation I mentioned Max Crosby he also met with the media he also was asked about the situation but he also more importantly, I think, in this situation, was asked about interim head coach Rich Basaccia, what his thoughts were on him when he found out he was going to be the interim head coach. Um, you know, Rich, uh, I've had a special relationship with him since I've gotten here. You know, he's one of the, one of the greatest men I know. Um, he's a great leader. Um, guys love being around him. Um, the dude has been nothing but a positive influence in my life. So when they said, you know, he was going to be our new head coach, uh, you know, it brought a smile to my face, even though... You know, I love Coach Gruden um, and what, what he's done for us. Um, but, you know, Rich, is, Rich has been awesome, you know, ever since I've been here. And that's somebody who I trust. So I'm really looking forward to, you know, having him as a leader on this team. So there you go. Max Crosby right there talking about interim head coach Rich Versace and all the respect he has for him. And I'm telling you, there's a ton of players that have said the same thing, not the exact same words, but basically have echoed the same thing about how much respect that they have for Rich Versace. Those are players in the locker room currently and players that aren't in the locker room, guys that are on different teams that he helped coach and uh, just the glowing reviews that they've had to say about him. So I think that that's really cool. And obviously it's a step in the right direction. Now we'll see how it translates on the field. Who knows? But at least it's a step in the right direction. They believe in their leadership. So that's all I got for you for segment number one of today's Locked On Raiders podcast news and notes of the day. Coming up in segment number two, part one of the crossover edition with Cody Rourke, host of Locked On Broncos. He's going to get his Howard Cosell on. He's going to ask me all things silver and black, all things Raiders. That's coming up in segment number two after I tell you about rockauto.com and anyone who fixes up their car or wants to fix up their car, listen up. Rockauto.com is the place for you. They're a family business. They've been serving auto park customers online for over 20 years. Right now, you got to go to the website, rockauto.com. You shop for all the auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They got everything you need delivered directly to your door, just a few easy clicks away. The best part about it is you don't have to pay full price. No, not at all. You can walk into a store and you can get a part and it'll cost you a lot of money. Or you could take it a step further, walk into a car dealership and get a part and it's going to cost you a lot more money. Or you can sit at your house, at your computer, click on rockauto.com and get the same part and save a ton of money. I don't know about you, but I'd rather do option C. Sit at my desk, at my computer, and click on rockauto.com and get those same parts. That's all you've got to do. And the only thing I ask you to do for me while you're there, there's a box that said, how'd you hear about us? You write Locked On Raiders Podcast. That's how they know that I sent you and I'm doing my job. But all the parts you'll need, great selection, super low prices, all are located at one spot, one shop spot. Matter of fact, rockauto.com. Segment number two, it's on the way. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, Raider Nation, here we go. Segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Time to jump into part one of my conversation with Cody Rourke, host of Locked On Broncos, as we break down the week six matchup 
Broncos, Raiders, Denver. It's going down. Crazy week for the Raiders, but hey, there's still a game that's got to be played. So here's part one of my conversation. Cody Rourke is getting his Howard Cosell on, talking all things Raiders right here on the Locked On Raiders podcast. It is crossover Thursday or Friday across the Locked On NFL Network, and this Sunday we have a big-time match of AFC West Division rivals, the Denver Broncos, the Las Vegas Raiders. Now, the rivalry is heated, but the love that I got for this man here, your boy Q, you know, is a lot. Q is one of the best in Raiders Nation. He is the best in Raiders Nation. Uh, Q, great always to to join you to talk about these games. Look, this one's in Denver. I'm looking forward to the one in Vegas. That way I can travel to Vegas <laughs> and catch up with you, my man. But uh, how you doing? Man, doing well. I'm doing I'm doing better than the headlines say I'm doing. <laughs> you know there's Oh man. There's a lot going on with the silver and black, but uh you know, we're 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 muscling through it here on the Lockdown Raiders podcast and on the Lockdown Podcast Network. So, oh, this is what we do, you know. The Raiders they got a tall task in front of them coming up this Sunday in Denver, but uh, I'm going to be all right. I'm holding it down, and I'm, I'm going to make it happen. So here we are. Absolutely, my man. Well, hey, it's been a busy week and a half for the Las Vegas Raiders. Obviously, on Monday, the big news, John Gruden resigning. We all know why. We know the the fallout of that, and obviously a very disappointing situation, I think, for everybody. I think for football fans, for Raiders fans, I think for players in general. So obviously, that's a big talking point, but I don't want that to detract necessarily from the game. So the question I have for you to start off today's crossover episode, Q, is kind of in relation to John Gruden a little bit, but but more so for Sunday's game. We know that John Gruden's been the play caller here for this Las Vegas Raiders offense that look in the first few weeks of the season that led to a 3-0 start. They were the number one offense in the NFL. Points, explosiveness. I mean, we factor in all the personnel that they have. That is obviously something that John Gruden was very good at. Now, the question is, with him no longer there, who takes over the play calling responsibilities here for this Raiders team? And will it affect Derek Carr in the offense? Well, you know, that's a good question. And uh, Greg Olson, he's the offensive coordinator. And you're right. John Gruden's always called the plays. It's always been the John Gruden show. Like, there's no mistake in that. He, he runs it all. But the good thing about Greg Olson is he's the quarterback coach as well. And he's been with Derek Carr even going back to his rookie year. So he has a lot of familiarity with Carr. And I think that he knows what buttons to push as far as Carr goes. Now, Olson's always been involved in the offense offensive game plan he's always in the room he actually helped discover Darren Waller in Baltimore so I mean he's got he's got a few skins on the wall I think he's done a really good job as far as identifying what Derek does well and how this offense goes really well but it's going to be different you know hearing a different play caller obviously in Derek's ear it's going to be a, a little different and when he spoke with the media on Wednesday he said that hey He's a familiar voice. I'm used to hearing him anyway. I've been around him long enough. Uh, he knows me very well. So I think that he believes the dynamic's going to work really well. But, you know, I mean, play calling, it's, it's, it's repetition. You know, it's a rhythm that yeah. you got to get in. If you haven't done it for a while, it's kind of hard to just – it's like driving a stick shift, you know. It's like you don't just go and jump in and drive a stick shift and think you know how to do it. You got to learn. You know, you got to work your way <laughs> into it. So uh, it should be interesting to see if the Raiders are able to get off to a quick start. That's what I kind of think will take a little while because he hasn't done that play calling uh, in such a long time so that that'll be one of the biggest aspects but what I'm hearing is he's going to be calling plays from the booth and I think that that makes a big difference in being on the sideline like John Gruden so it's maybe a little bit of uh, good here and then bad there uh, I think it might lend to a, a, a slow start but the Raiders have started slow every game this season so that actually wouldn't be 
any kind of a change. Well, you know, it's crazy they start off slow and then they had these big explosive <laughs> outbursts. Now, obviously, last week against the Bears was kind of kind of a disappointment. They just looked kind of out of sync. And, I, yep. and, you know, Q, I don't know if a lot of that had to do with the distraction as to what had surfaced on Thursday and Friday of last week. I mean, obviously, that is a huge issue. And, and not certain how, like, as me, if, if I was a player, how would I feel about maybe going to that locker room on Sunday? It just looked like they were kind of out of sorts. But now, I mean, looking at both these teams, the Broncos and the Raiders both started off 3-0. Both have lost the last two games, so right. it's kind of a story situation. Here we are, and here's the deal there. There's still the AFC West right now. The Kansas City Chiefs are at the bottom. That's nice for us to be kind of sitting in this position here. But the question I have for you next really pertains on the defensive side of the ball. Obviously, Max Crosby, Yannick Ngakwe, I've been watching these guys. The defense looks much more improved this year than in years past. Yes, they're getting up some points, but you know what? I see a little bit more of an aggressive nature to them. But I was really interested to see that Damon Arnett and, and Trayvon Mullen, they went on I. What does the cornerback situation look like right now for this Raiders team? And how might it maybe play into a, an advantage or maybe a disadvantage for them going up against guys like Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick and Noah Fan if they can utilize him in the passing game? Well, I'll tell you, man, the secondary's banged up. You you said it, man. Trayvon Mullen, that's a big loss. You know, he's going to be out at least two, two more games. Damon Arnett, he's been coming off the bench anyway. Uh, he's been a big, major disappointment so far as a first-round draft pick. Not going to lie, especially when you look at what's going on in Dallas and Trayvon Diggs has, is leading the league in interceptions. By the way, that was a second-round pick a year ago. So, just going to throw it out there. I'm not trying to start no mess, but I'm just going to say, could have been, you know, wearing the silver and black. And, oh, by the way, they run the same scheme because Dan Quinn is just like Gus Bradley. They both come from that Seattle tree. But that's a whole nother conversation. I don't even want to start that one and get myself fired up. But uh, the secondary is banged up, man. So, you know, Amik Robertson has been holding it down on one side where Trayvon Mullins usually is. The thing about him is he's short, you know, and you mentioned those wide receivers, man. They got some size, you know, especially Cortland Sutton. He's got some size and speed. But Amik has done a pretty good job uh, just been able to hold it down. So I'm, I'm assuming that he's going to get the start. He'll be in that position. Also, fifth-round pick Nate Hobbs. Uh, he's been a nice little uh, addition to the team. He's a starting nickel right now for the Raiders, but he also has the ability to kick outside. So if Amik just happens to not be doing so well, I could see them saying, all right, go ahead, Nate, and go out there to the outside and then kick someone else on the inside. But uh, it's tough, man, when you have so many injuries and you have guys that are big uh, hits to your depth. You don't have it, it, it. It's hard to bounce back from that. But I do think that you'll see a lot of Amik Robertson. I think you'll see a lot of Nate Hobbs. And Nate Hobbs, for sure, has been a stud. And Amik has been playing pretty well. So it might not be as bad as it sounds. But, again, injuries, man, it's 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 a battle in the NFL. You know that. Yeah, no, the Broncos banged up at wide receiver. It's frustrating to watch. Thankfully, you know, they have guys in the secondary on the defensive side of the ball that helps out there. But, uh, you know, the one question I wanted to ask you, Q, and I think Broncos country is really interested in this as well, what is the the difference right now with this Raiders team so far here in 2021 in comparison to the last couple of years because when I look at them it, it seems like they're a little bit more solidified than ever there there's not that many question marks in certain areas I mean they have an offense that has so many different guys contributing from you know Brian Edwards to Hunter Renfro Henry Ruggs Darren Waller I mean there's getting guys even Peyton Barber when Josh Jacobs was banged up yeah. was carrying the rock and running the ball really effectively against the Miami Dolphins so what is the story right now obviously outside of this week's headline right. with the Las Vegas Raiders I'll tell you right now, the biggest storyline is that they all like each other. They all like each other a lot. They're all there, and that's something that they've been saying all offseason, all preseason, that they have a genuine love for each other. And I know that sounds kind of corny and cliche-ish, but 
it's a real deal thing. You know, you'll fight a little bit more for your brother next to you if that if you look at him as your brother next to you, you know, not just that guy. So yeah. uh, that's something that they have that they really do believe in, that they all have a genuine love. They like to hang out with each other when they're not uh, on the football field or at practice at the facility. That's gone a long way. And then on top of that, man, they just I think these coaches, especially Gus Bradley, Ron Milas and Richard Smith, all these defensive coaches have really helped the guys on the defensive side of the ball kind of simplify what they're supposed to be doing and be able to just go out there and play fast. Just instead of thinking, just go, 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 which, as we all know, it helps out, guys. Not a simple defense, but simple to be able to run it from a defensive side of, uh, of things as far as a player where you're not thinking. So that's that's been another big key as well. But ultimately, man, these guys just have a genuine love. They worked on their craft a lot during the offseason, especially Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards. They got bigger. Uh, they got faster. Edwards is healthy. Ruggs is bigger and stronger. And, and they have the trust trust from Derek Carr he's willing to throw the ball to him where last year he said I don't think he's gonna make the play I'm just gonna check it down now he's throwing the ball he's stretching it a little bit more and believing that Ruggs will come down with it or Edwards can make a tough play he threw the ball last week in the triple covers now Edwards didn't make the the play in the end zone but he had his hands on the ball and it looked like he was coming down with the touchdown and then the DB just made a good play at the last second or no Roquan Smith made a great play at the last second but he's he's taking chances with the ball when Derek Carr normally doesn't do that well you know like I said the fight is something there you know this as well from playing sports. You have to have that brotherhood. You have to have yep. camaraderie in that locker room. It's so important because when things get bad, if you don't have that, it's easy to divide the entire room into he versus he or this group versus this group. It's happened far too often in NFL locker rooms. But obviously, a big test this weekend for the Las Vegas Raiders, just from the standpoint of having to deal with all these distractions. Right. I'm eager to see how they respond. I know you are as well, and so is Raiders Nation. But Broncos country, Raiders Nation coming up here in just a moment. We're going to flip the script. Q's going to ask me a bunch of questions about the Denver Broncos. So there it was right there. That was part one of our conversation. In segment number three, you'll hear part two of the conversation. We'll flip the script. I'll get my Howard Cosell on and dig deep into the Broncos, talking offense, talking defense, talking all things Denver, coming up in segment number three. Before I get to that, though, do want to tell you about betonline.ag and for all my betters out there, you know that this time of year is the best time of year, and that's football season, pro and college football. BetOnline.ag is your number one spot, your number one source. It's got the best odds, the props, the contests. All you got to do is go to the website right now on your mobile device or your laptop, sign up today, and receive a 100% welcome bonus. And how do you get that? You got to use the promo code Locked On. So say you put $500 into your account you'll get $500 on top of that. So you'll have 1000 total dollars to play with, but you got to use the promo code LOCKED ON. That's right, but it's only on your first initial deposit. Football, baseball, basketball is coming back. Boxing, hockey is back. Everything that you need, every game that you want to cover, all you got to do is check it out on betonline.ag. They're the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports, and they're your online sportsbook experts. Segment number three, part two of my conversation with Cody Rourke, talking all things Broncos and Raiders, is coming up next. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Here we go, Raider Nation. Segment number three of today's Locked On Raiders podcast and part two of the crossover edition. Myself and Cody Rourke talking all things Broncos and Raiders, week six opponents. And Cody got his uh, Howard Cosell on in segment number two talking all things Raiders. And now it's my turn to get my Howard Cosell on and grill Cody all things Denver Broncos. So here is... Part two of our conversation, week six matchup, Broncos and Raiders. 
And we're back here on the Locked On Raiders, Locked On Broncos podcast, crossover edition. Cody Work, my guy. I call him the Broncos, Adam Schefter. He's with us to uh, break everything down. And uh, Cody, man, it's funny looking at the Broncos and the Raiders, both teams three and two, both teams on two game losing streaks. You know, both teams want to get to four wins. Uh, nobody wants to get to that third loss. So for the Broncos, what has been the difference in the 3-0 and start in the last two games where they lost? What has been your biggest takeaway why they're on this two-game losing streak? Well, you know, they opened the season, the first three games, New York Giants, Jacksonville Jaguars, New York Jets, you know, player, you know, teams that are on their schedule. You know, no excuse. If they would have lost, everyone would have blown things up. Right. But in, even in those games, 2Q, the Broncos' offense was rolling. They were doing some really good things. They were still struggling to run the football. But Teddy Bridgewater was very efficient in the passing game. And then all of a sudden, you know, you play the Baltimore Ravens. They're super aggressive. You know this because week one, Monday night yeah. football overtime thriller. They run a lot of cover zero. They love to blitz a lot. And if they can stop the run, they're going to lock up in the passing game. Well, Teddy Bridgewater gets knocked out of that in the second quarter right before halftime. Drew Locke comes in. The offense just is flat. So they took a loss in that game. And then against the Pittsburgh Steelers, it looks like they didn't even show up. They started that game so lethargic, and they couldn't get anything going until that fourth quarter where Teddy Bridgewater, Cortland Sutton, they made things interesting. Now, the last two weeks has been a little bit of concern about the Broncos in the secondary because a lot of teams, the Ravens specifically, and also the Pittsburgh Steelers, they are testing Kyle Fuller. Kyle Fuller has been kind of the weak link right now with this Broncos okay. defense in that secondary, which is pretty strong, pretty stout. Patrick Sertan, he looks the part. He's made a couple mistakes here and there, but he's been very impressive. Kyle Fuller, the veteran guy, has been a surprise here, and he actually may get benched this week for Ronald Darby. So wow. the, the difference has been that, you know, obviously the, the level of competition with your opponents, I still think that the Jets' defense is is better than most people give it credit right. for. It's probably the only good thing they got going outside of Robert Sala right now. But outside of that, you know, they took care of business when they should have. And I, you know, I don't think you can make any qualms about that. Just, you know, you play two good teams and everyone's like, oh, Pittsburgh's not a good team. They're off to a rough start, but still a, a pretty good football team on the defensive side of the yep. ball. And look, is Big Ben starting to try to get in rhythm and Najee Harris, the run game was starting to come together. So that's where Denver really struggled. And it leads us to this matchup this week. You know, this is a, is a tough matchup. And the Broncos and the Raiders, they've kind of had these slugfest back and forth the last couple of years. Now, last year, the Broncos' first matchup against the Raiders, it was that road game. Yep. It was a close first half. Jeff Heath had two interceptions. <laughs> John Heath, would, he had two interceptions yep. of Drew Locke. And then all of a sudden, you know, the, the season finale, Jerry Judy, a 92-yard touchdown, a thriller. But then guess what? Same exact play call from Derek Carr and the Raiders yeah. to win the game. And this time around, they got the two-point conversion, and Shelby Harris wasn't there to deflect it. So <laughs> these games are always fun, and, and I think for each team, it's always a must-win. As According to the fan bases, they're like, every game against the Raiders is a must-win. I get that. But when we talk about what everything is at, you know, you could put it into perspective a little bit more. Yeah, no doubt. In AFC West games, uh, you, you always want the, the, the team to win. You know what I mean? You never want to lose that game. And this is going to be a tough one right here. Uh, I'm telling you right now, at the beginning of the season, I didn't think it was going to be the Chargers, the Raiders, and the Broncos, and then the Chiefs in last. I mean, I just <laughs> I didn't see that coming. But it's early in the season. That's where we are right now. You know, you mentioned Teddy Bridgewater, and I've never been a big Teddy guy. Just not. I, I just thought he was good. Never thought he was great. Something has clicked for him in Denver, though. The team seems to be rallying around him. They really love his leadership. He's just getting it done there in Denver. I, th I know he only has one interception so far on the season, and that was last week, you know, late in the game, trying to make something happen. What has been the deal with Teddy Bridgewater? Why has he done so well and adapted to the Denver Broncos? 
Well, the reason he was handed the keys to the offense is his ability to lead, and he was making smarter decisions with the football. You know, to open up the season queue, he had more passes downfield. I mean, he, I think he and Derek Carr were the top two in the league right. with passes downfield through the first four weeks of the NFL season. Uh, you know, so you're seeing that, and everyone's like, oh, Teddy's not a guy that's going to take deep shots. He's going to take those chances, but the Broncos, they've spread the ball out. Week one, you had it going to uh, Noah Fant a little bit. Jerry Judy had six catches before he went down with his sprained ankle that you know, hopefully he'll be back in the next couple of weeks from week two. You go to Cortland Sutton, week three, Tim Patrick, week four, you know, against the Baltimore Ravens. You really couldn't get anything going on the offense side. That's where you got Noah Fant involved. Last week it was Cortland Sutton really kind of being that big contributor, but Denver has been hurting without Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler. Obviously, KJ's out for the entire season, right. but Teddy is smart. He knows where he's going with the football. And you know what? If, if it's a third and long situation, he's not going to throw four verts. He's going to throw the check down. He's going to try to get the team closer to field goal range, which is a concept of football, but he's got this tendency. And look, Broncos fans, they're looking at that and they're saying, oh, he's just a check down artist. I understand that. You know, I understand the narrative of that, but you have to take what the defense gives you sometimes. But he's been in command of the offense, uh, you know, really well. Now the question is, can he maintain that? I think that's what Broncos country is really trying to find out. But I think we've all learned here, Q, so far through the season, quarterback's still a, a very evident need for the Broncos in the future because I don't know if Teddy's going to be the guy after this year, but he's doing a good job, I think, so far. Right, and that's what matters right now. You know, again, he might not be the guy for the future, but he's the guy right now, and he's done a really good job there in Denver. I really got to give him props on that. I got to ask you about the run game, man. Of course, you got Melvin Gordon. He's there, but I'm really intrigued by Javante Williams. He's a guy who doesn't get a lot of touches, but, man, when he touches the ball, he does some big things with it. Do you expect him to get some more burn in these games, or is it just a seven- to eight-touch-a-game type situation for him? Well, it's frustrating. The run game right now, Q, for the Broncos is the most frustrating thing to watch because they just they can't run it or they go away from it. And when they do run the football, it's on first down and second down, which leads third and long or right. third and medium. So Pat Shermer's play calling has been a huge issue for Broncos fans here. But really, the run game has kind of struggled as well because teams are stacking the box and they're really saying, hey, we want to dare Teddy Bridgewater to beat us with his arm. And in the first three weeks, he did just that. Right. But even against teams like Jacksonville or even the Jets, the Broncos had not as much much success running the football. They had, didn't have much success against the Baltimore Ravens outside of Javante Williams' big-time run where he won the angry run of the week from Kyle <laughs> Brown of the NFL Network. Yeah. He took home the scepter. Uh, but outside of that, he's always had a couple of big plays. Now, last week against the Steelers, they had no momentum. They ran a little bit of a toss play to him, and he got down to the two-yard line, and you know he was super excited. It energized the team. He spiked the ball. They flagged him. It was dumb, in my opinion. But uh, – He's the energizer bunny right now. Melvin right. Gordon is banged up. He's dealing with a uh, bunch of different injuries, but he's expected to play on Sunday. It's not expected to limit him, but Javante, you can tell, definitely has some of the bigger flashes so far as a rusher. Yeah, no, he has. I, I've, I've seen it. I'm thinking, man, the dude's got some wiggle. I know he's small, though. He's a smaller dude, but, I mean, I just <laughs> say let him run, man. Let him Give him the rock and let him run. I mean, how many carries a game do you think he can get or you think he should get? I think he should get at least 17 carries a game, okay. in my opinion. Look, if you have two backs that you feel like you can run the football with, you can go 20-17. You can go 15-15 with each of those guys. I think Denver's identity offensively, though, Q, I think it should be to try to run the ball. They haven't been able to do it, but that's not an excuse to not try. Look at the Raiders. Their identity for a lot of times in the last couple of years was to run the football right. and then make some big plays through the air, which they've been able to do. It's so important, and it helps your defense out because if you're passing and the clock stops and you're going off the field, you're three and out, right. it puts your defense in, in very unprecarious situations, and it's not good. It's not sustainable. 
Denver's got to do it. And I think Javante Williams is the perfect energizer bunny for that. You know, it's funny. I've been preaching the same thing because the Raiders run game hasn't been there either. And I'm just like, they got to get it established. At some point, you've got to get it established, man, because you're going to do everything you just said in the passing game. Incompletions mean the clock stop. And there's that makes your defense put him in a bad situation. So, yeah, you're absolutely right about that. Now, when Teddy drops back to drop, throw the ball, he's been successful. But, man, he's been under a lot of pressure. He's taken a lot of sacks so far Ooh. this season. Uh, how concerned are you with that leaky offensive line, knowing that Unique Ngakwe and Max Crosby and Darius Phylon and cats like that are coming to town? You know, it, it is a little bit of a concern, too, because Teddy, when he has been dropping back as a passer, he's been holding on to the football, you know, pretty long. He's yeah. been able to improvise out of plays, not like Patrick Mahomes can, but he's <laughs> been able to improvise, step up or step out, make a guy miss, and then deliver a strike. But for the most part, it's been a little bit of a concern, and it's not necessarily anything outside of, you know, Teddy's holding the ball a little too long at times. And then the offensive line has just been on the interior position. It's been a little bit of a turnstile. Right guard Graham Glasgow hasn't had a lot of consistency of playing so far this year. He played against the New York Giants, and then he had a regular heartbeat during the game. So he had to miss the next week, and then he had to miss the next week, all while dealing with a knee injury. So he hasn't really been solidified. So you've had a young guy, Natani Muti, there. And then a couple weeks ago, you had... Quinn Miners, the rookie guy, the gut, he started at left guard because Dalton Reisner hurt his foot. His ankle was in a walking boot. So you had a lot of situations there where your interior offensive line is three young guys. You had a rookie and you had two second-year players there. I think a lot of teams tried to exploit that. And then obviously you have a veteran guy, Bobby Massey, and you have Garrett Bowles. Those guys have done fine, in my opinion. Bobby Massey's given up a couple plays. Garrett's given up a couple plays. But the offensive line, it just seems like there's a lot of miscommunication errors, Q. It's something that can be fixed, but how long will it take? You can't afford it this week against Crosby and Ngakwe that are just absolute forces off the edge. I'll tell you right now, man, it almost sounds like we're talking about the same team. I mean, the Raiders offensive <laughs> line has been struggling. Their run game has been struggling. You know, the quarterback play has been consistent and good, and that's really what's been getting it done. I mean, I, I swear we're almost talking about the same teams. And defensively, of course, you know, Von Miller's the dude. Uh, how come the, the, the pass rush hasn't been quite as effective? Is it just Bradley Chubb being out? Is it more attention to Von Miller? Is it asking someone else to step up that's not ready? It just hasn't been what it's supposed to be or what it was expected to be. Why is that? Well, it got off to a hot start with Von Miller. Von's been great, but now he's facing more double teams. Bradley Chubb against the Jacksonville Jaguars, he came back from an ankle that was bothering him. He re-aggravated it, so he had a surgery to clean out a bone spur. He's on IR. Hopefully, he'll be back before you know the, the start of the second half of the season, right. maybe week 11. That's probably the expectation for him. Malik Reed has done well, but the Broncos, it was really weird because against the Baltimore Ravens, they didn't blitz. So they'd send their edge rushers, but they would tell them to keep contained. They wouldn't right. really send them, okay, go get Lamar, because if you collapse that pocket, and we know Lamar's going to run it to the outside. So the <laughs> Broncos went with a lot of cover zero. How do you stop that? But, you know, you're playing the edge and you're squeezing it down, but you can't do that against teams like the Ravens. But then it, you kind of find yourself in that position. Against the Pittsburgh Steelers, they should have blitzed a lot more. And I think a lot of that too, Q, is Vic Fangio, he's known for a lot of four-man pass rushes and blitzes and things like that, but got to blitz the inside backers more. The Broncos' defense has taken a drop. Ever since inside linebacker Josie Jewell went down with an injury against the Jaguars in week two, you have a young guy in Justin Sternado. Technically, this is his second year, but it's his rookie year because he didn't play his rookie year because he had season-ending hand surgery in training camp. So you're looking at a lot of young guys getting playing time right now, and they're making mistakes along the way. Alexander Johnson's been great, but they're just not blitzing enough, in my opinion. So you're having your cover guys cover for a long time, and when you've got Kyle Fuller back there who's just getting beaten and his dis eye discipline's not there, yeah. he's losing out on technique, fundamental errors. It's a little bit of a problem. It's becoming a little concerning for Broncos fans, especially this week against the Raiders who go three by one. They'll go quads. They'll do all right. this stuff. So 
it's a little uneasy right now, I think, for Broncos fans on that subject. Yeah, no doubt. And that's really my final question for you is, you know, Darren Waller, Henry Ruggs, Brian Edwards, Hunter Renfro. Who gets the matchup when it comes to Darren Waller? Is that a Justin Simmons thing? Is that a Patrick Sertan thing? Is that Kyle Fuller thing? I mean, who, who <laughs> goes and tries to get the guy who makes everything go? You know, this is a tough one, right? Because the Broncos, they obviously, they went round one with Patrick Sertan. I don't know if Vic Fangio wants to put a rookie, look, and he's played really well. I've been very impressed with him. Yeah. You might as well test him out on a couple of plays. and Look, cause that's, that's probably about as good as it's going to get going against a guy like that. He's the best guy. In my opinion, he's the best receiver, tight end guy in the league. You can make the argument the same thing with Travis Kelsey. But what Darren Waller does is so special with his size, how big he is, and how fast he can run. Right. Patrick Sertan is probably the best athlete to match up with that. Uh, we could see Bryce Callahan, though. But I would rather see Bryce Callahan focused inside the slot and the nickel against Hunter Renfro following him around, or even Henry Ruggs. But the other guy, whether it be Ronald Darby or Kyle Fuller, they have to step up because Derek Carr is going to test them. They, they're going to go at 23 if he's out there on the field. They're going to go at a, you know, a young guy. If he's not out there and you see Ronald Darby, he's making his return since a, you know week one. He had a hamstring injury. So they're going to test it. You know what? They're going to get Ruggs on the outside. They're going to run a go route. They want to see if he can keep up with that. And I, you know, I am excited to see if that's the case. We'll see if he actually plays, though. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, man. It really is. And I know I said that was my last question, but I did want to ask you real quick, uh, have you got any feedback from any of the players? I know they're not going to come out and say, oh, yeah, we're underestimating the Raiders. But with all the stuff going on with the Raiders, with all the distractions going on with the Raiders, do you get any sense that the players may think that they're so like mentally beat up this week that this game might be a little bit easier than it normally is? No, look, they're looking at the situation as if it's affecting them because obviously the issue of, of racism and the systemic racism that is occurring. And look, you know, John Gruden obviously is being held accountable, but Q, you probably feel the same way. I know I'm very vocal about this. John Gruden is just one part of the puzzle when there is a huge issue right. out there of rich white owners that have a lot of control. And obviously that, I think that's an issue. There's a bigger thing in there. Obviously 650,000 emails. You're going to find out a lot about a lot of people right. in powerful positions there. Uh, but they, they've really approached this issue too, because it's been brought up and the Broncos practiced on Wednesday for the first time this week. And they were asked about it. Justin Simmons says, look, this is, this is something that we all shouldn't have to worry about as players. We come here every day. We, you know, we we're brothers. We're, we have this camaraderie inside the locker room. And then you just always wonder if there's always some sort of detractor from that. Yeah. And so I think that they're very empathetic of the situation that's going on with the Raiders. I don't think they're going to overlook them. And I know that the Broncos sitting at three and two, losing two straight, they're not going to overlook <laughs> anybody. I felt like they overlooked the Steelers a little bit last week and it came back to bottom in the tail. But this is going to be a tough matchup, I think, for both teams. Q, I'm excited. It's always a slugfest, but the best part is always getting to share this airtime with you, my friend. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's always a lot of fun. Uh, Raider fans enjoy it when you're on the show, so uh, that's awesome because it's very rare that uh, Raider fans like anything Denver Broncos, and I know <laughs> it's very rare that Denver Broncos like anything Raiders, so uh, it's all good when we get together and have a little, uh, little fun on the crossover edition. I appreciate you. Absolutely, bro. Appreciate you as well, and look, I'm going to be in Denver for this game on Sunday, so I will, uh, I'll say hi to Raiders fans that they want it you know obviously if keep it civil but you know i think broncos country raiders nation you know at the end of the day they, they hate each other on the game but you know this is what brings people together football right. in stadiums it's just great that you're gonna have seventy six thousand roaring fans of all colors wearing different jerseys you know cheering for their teams respectively q that's what it's all about my man but i can't wait to make that trip over to vegas to right. see you my friend there it is there it was that was part two of the conversation all things broncos cody rourke host of locked on broncos does a great 
great job covering them like a glove, and it's always fun to catch up with him a couple times a year. And uh, you heard him. You heard the man. He said he's coming to Vegas at the end of the year, so that's going to be cool to catch up with Cody uh, when he comes out to the 702. So that's going to do it for today's show. Definitely appreciate everyone that's checking it out on the daily. Again, thank you for making the Lockdown Raiders podcast your first listen each and every day. And remember, you can find the Lockdown Raiders podcast free and available on all platforms that you find your favorite podcast. I also, before I wrap up this show, I did want to shout out to the Fossies. Uh, well, Ray Fossey is a longtime uh, baseball player, two-time World Series champ, two-time Gold Glover, two-time All-Star, longtime A's broadcaster. He passed away on on Wednesday due to cancer. He had been in a long-time fight with cancer for like 16 years, and nobody really knew about it. Uh, it was just announced not too long ago that he was dealing with it, and so uh, he passed away on Wednesday. So just want to shout out to uh, the Fosses and anyone who's close to, to Ray Fossey. As a longtime A's fan, man, I knew who Ray Fossey was. I uh, didn't realize until not too long ago that he was dealing with cancer. So uh, Ray Fossey lost his fight with cancer on Wednesday. So shout out to them. Shout out to his family, his wife, and uh, his daughters that he leaves behind. So uh, that's all I got for you for today's show. When we come back on Friday, we'll close out the show really strong, close out the week really strong, uh, talk all things Raiders and Broncos, keys to the game, news and notes of the day, and of course, your feedback, your calls and text straight off that Lockdown Raider Podcast voicemail line. So that's going to do it for me, Raider Nation. Until then, appreciate you as always. Make sure you take care of your family, love on your family, and most importantly, as always, just win, baby.